Hello, everyone. So we just got finished up recording and are doing an interview with Chris Hutchinson. He's a good friend of mine that I've known a couple of years now in the three gun community. All the North Carolina crowd knows him. Very gifted and passionate person. And I, I think you can really tell uh, how passionate he is. Um, humble, you know, driven, motivated. Um, so, yeah. Frank, what was your impression? Really enthusiastic about shooting sports. Really wanted to be on the podcast. Gave us a lot of great answers. I've never met the guy in person, but after talking to him for about an hour or so, I definitely felt like I knew who, who he was. His personality really comes through in some of these answers. Uh, so that, that was honestly my impression of him after we talked to him. I think it was more like two hours, but like we, we covered a lot yeah. of stuff that we weren't even planning on covering it just kind of just kept coming out and rolling out. And like, we just, you know, cover one topic and it roll right into other things. And it's not like they were rabbit holes or anything, but they were just like more conversation about like our viewpoints, like, you know, from talking about what as an ambassador, you know, wanting to be an ambassador to a company, um, what are, what do they look for? you know, which is much like how it is on the team. I'm not looking just for talent. I'm looking for character. So, you know, we just kind of covered a lot of subjects. That was, uh, it was pretty, uh, uh, pretty amazing. Yeah. And I'm glad that we got into that because I don't think that's something that's discussed. Uh, we talk a lot about how to become more legal, how to become more, more fast and more accurate. And we don't necessarily take the time to talk about some of the intangibles that people bring and it's clear to me after we talked to Chris why he's been chosen to represent all these companies. He's a good guy. He represents the sport well. He represents his brands well. And I think for a lot of new shooters, they look at sponsored or endorsed shooters and all they see is like, hey, why does that guy have it? And why, why do I not? Instead of like turning within and assessing why they might not be a good candidate to be an ambassador for a program or to represent the Marine Corps as a part of the Marine Corps shooting team. Yeah. So no, we hope you like it. Let us know what you think and enjoy the show. Yep. Give me a nod when you're ready. Shooters ready. Stand by. everyone this is matt cunlock from the 3giq podcast i'm joined here today with frank gal my co-host and then also chris hutchinson chris hutchinson joined the army august of 2006 with an option 40 rip contract did rip early in early of 2007 and then attended the special operation combat medic course at force fort bragg and then he was assigned to 175th ranger battalion from 2008 to 2013 he deployed six times during that time, and then he went to selection for a special mission unit, did another year of training all of 2014, then started deploying again for another five deployments. After that, he went to JSOC as of 2020, working as part of a free-for-all program and currently in the aviation community. 
He's a brand ambassador for Christensen Arms, Safari Land, and Priority One Holsters. Chris, can you open this up and give us a little background on yourself? Hey, uh, Matt, Frank, thanks for uh, having me, guys. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that pretty much kind of kind of covered it all um, in the grand scheme of things, man. Um, you know, as far as the, the, the shooting world, I, I didn't really uh, – I didn't really – even under like know that there was a part of the shooting world until easily 2000 late 2016 2017 so even in the military career like the the shooting and the the whole like competition shooting world really didn't exist to me until about that time so um but yeah that's that's kind of my background man uh joined the army a little bit late uh decided to tear down nuclear reactors for about five years and uh which is cool and decided that the uh, the whole like labor union uh, thing in the Department of Injury wasn't for me and wanted to do something that was a little bit more fun. And, and so I joined the Army at, at 23 and did a lot of research, uh, decided that, you know, kind of for me, the Ranger Regiment was where I wanted to go and wanted to go in with the infantry contract and went into MAPS and they were like, yeah, hey, we don't have an infantry contract. So I was like, all right, see you later, get lost. And they came to me with a medic contract and between a good recruiter and a lot of at the time i mean even though it was 2006 like the internet was still decent for being able to like google stuff uh did some research and realized that like ranger medics are are pretty like uh outstanding uh, part of the medical community in the special operations world and so i took that contract and never looked back man so awesome so where are you from originally uh idaho Okay. Uh, I grew up. I grew, I grew up in Idaho Falls, which is like right on the Idaho Montana uh, Wyoming border. So a lot of hunting, a lot of fishing, um, and I'm just going to throw out the early. I am actually in the shooting community. Uh, I'm Benny Cooley's nephew. So if you know anything about Three Gun and the the, the kind of legacy uh, early early shooters, uh, Benny Cooley is kind of one of those guys, and I end up being you know i'm his nephew and he's a big part of how i got in the community so he kind of got you in the start like but later in the game after you started uh started your career in the army how'd that work yeah out? man so it's 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 kind of funny so when i when i graduated rip which is the ranger doctrination program which is now rasp the ranger assessment selection program um i graduated as a medic you do like a short amount of time where uh, you, you kind of have to earn. I mean, you're going to go to the special operations combat medic course, but you kind of have to earn it a little bit. Um, so earned it and I, I PCS to Fort Bragg because the course is so long. It, originally it was about seven months. Now it's almost a year. And uh, at, at the same time, I PCS literally the same week, Benny was up here doing a shooting course with seventh group. And then he was going to stay and do a civilian uh, like carbine course. And so he knew I was coming up and he's like, Hey, I'm going to fly out a rifle. You're going to do this course with me for free. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, I, even though I grew up in, in Idaho, like, dude, I, I barely ever shot. Right. Like I had a BB gun, maybe a 22. Like I didn't shoot ever, never shot pistol especially never shot at a 223 or 556 platform. And so I do this week, this weekend long course with Benny and I was like, Holy cow, like this is amazing. Like, this is so much fun. 
right? And I was shooting back the time he was shooting like this like hodgepodge like JP Enterprise rifle, and he had like it was like his backup rifle. And uh, we we ended up getting in like 2007. We were there's a picture of him and I in SWAT magazine. Mm-hmm. And it's like Benny Cooley was student and, and like, what they don't know is like the student was his nephew. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> um, but that was, that was really my first like interaction to shooting more than just like plinking some stuff or shooting an animal or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and which was pretty cool. So I, I got to ask, so you spent time in Ranger Regiment as well as being in the special missions unit. Uh, how have you used uh, the training from those units and the training you've received from three gun to train soldiers that you lead now? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I'll say this, Matt, like f- for the, the entire time I was in the Ranger regiment, we, we didn't, there was no actual like training pathway for any of the platforms, right? Like, there was proficiency as far as like, we're going to go down, we're going to shoot a thousand rounds out of whatever firearm you're shooting at a, some sort of target, but there, there was nothing between movement, shooting accuracy, like none of it equated. Right. Right. Um, and, and what, what was, what was crazy about that time is it was kind of like, and I was, I was still, it was, it was kind of like, uh, like death by just like volume of fire accuracy was never it was never a thing i mean everything we did was like you put on full body armor you put on full helmet and everything and it was like radio drills which is like uh, super unrealistic in the 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 combat setting and it it was it was kind of cool to see you know when i when i moved up to fort bragg and i started doing a lot more advanced marksmanship they actually, the, the one course I was a part of the Ranger regiment was a participant because they wanted to come up and they wanted to change their marksmanship program. And the marksmanship program that I was doing was all, it was very, very competitive marksmanship. Now it was a little bit old school. It was a little bit like Ipsic, mm-hmm. um, a little bit, you know, some other kind of, kind of stuff that was a lot of standing still, I mean, there was some movement and shooting, but it, but it was more competitive, right? And the Ranger Regiment was invited. Well, they have since introduced an entirely new shooting program in their pathway. And they actually teach people how to like be accurate, how to know what their the capabilities of their firearms are, you know, how to be um, more deadly with the, the firearms they have. And, and I think a good part of that too is when they switch from, the Berettas to the Glocks, we went from like, when we, we would take our pistols out and we would just load up a bunch of mags and we would just shoot at stuff. Right. Like we would never like actually like practice shooting a pistol. We would just shoot like nobody, nobody in the entire first battalion 175, nobody actually ever knew how to shoot a pistol. Right. Like there was nobody that was like, oh, I can actually shoot a pistol. We just went down, we shot thousands of rounds at like paper targets. And and I will say when they transitioned to the Glocks, they actually put a lot of emphasis in their pistol marksmanship and, and they actually started training it. So it's kind of cool to see over the years how instead of like death by volume, it was like it kind of became like death by accuracy. And it was at death by accuracy by 
really like training, like good, good shooting fundamentals, good shooting programs, you know, like that, that kind of was never there before. What do you think kind of brought all this on? I mean, I'm thinking because like you and I, we have very similar timeline on how long we've been in service. I think I've been in three or four years longer than you, but you know, it seems like it was very much similar the way I, you know, it's been for me in the Marines, but all of a sudden I would say the past three to four years, there's been kind of a surge of not necessarily competition shooting, but just more of uh, a wanting to learn and adopt principles that we as competition shooters understand and know, but now it's kind of being uh, expressed across the entire service, DOD, if you want to call it. No, I, I think it's, I think it's excellent, Matt. Like really, I, I honestly look at it and I think uh, it's just me, right? Like I, I don't, I can't see all the algorithms, but I think that social media and, and I think that where we're at, like, in the world, uh, as far as, like, the United States and, like, how everything's so kind of out there now, is so exposed that it's, it's challenging these, these operational units to be better, right? Like, where, where before you never had – you couldn't see what the other person was doing. You couldn't see that even with the competition – unless you bought, like – the magazine, you know, like the USPSA magazine or SWAT magazine or record, like way, like way back in the day, unless you saw that and you kind of read about it or you saw some early YouTube videos, it was hard to kind of equate that. Mm -hmm. But now we've gotten to a point where like everything's so exposed and like, I really, you know, I, and it come from the medical side, right? It's the same with the medical side where it's so it's so out there, like all this stuff is being uh, with the, with the tactical combat casualty care committee. Now that it's whenever they publish something new, that's like, Hey, stop doing this and do this new thing because this is, this is the percentage of lives it will save. It's instant. It's, it's instant out into the world. And I think that's the same way with the military and the shooting community is like, Hey, there's, there's all these other ways to train your people to be very, very good at, at their, whatever fire, even if it's a, if it's a saw, if it's 240, if it's a goose, uh, if it's a, you know, if it's a sniper platform, a pistol, like there's all these other things that are challenging the special operations community to be better because of the social media aspect of it. If that makes sense. Like, I really, I really truly think that that is where the big push has come from over the last few years. No, I'd agree. And I think uh, kind of challenging the old mindset, because let's be real, we've been in a war for, you know, quote unquote, 20 years or so. And there's a lot of people, you know, a lot of senior guys, you know, guys my age that are like, oh, I, you know, I have the only marksmanship badge. I need my combat action ribbon, this and that. It's like, okay, so you got shot at, but did you actually hit what you were shooting at? And so we've really challenged people to, this is how you become more lethal. This is how you become deadlier. The, you know, this is how you hit your target and know that you're properly engaging. It's not as easy as what you're making it out to be, but these skills right here are going to challenge you to be the best version of yourself. 
absolutely. And, and like, it, it was, it's funny. So, you know, I know, you know, Matt Martini, but Matt Martini and I actually went to rip together. We're great friends. And I was kind of thinking back to early GWAT and, you know, the, here's the other thing, right? They give you a rifle, they give you an optic and they're like, put this optic on this rifle and you're going to zero it exactly at this thing. And, and if you aim here, you're going to hit 300 meters, right? It's always 300, you're like it's 300 meters, kind of like the standard. And you, you go, yeah, Roger's that. Yeah, Roger, sir. Like that, that you're, you're telling me whatever you're telling me is the truth. And like now you and I know, and Frank knows, like when you actually get into the shooting community and the ballistics and everything, and like you realize like that's, that's not truly like, what it is and they and they tell you like oh yeah, yeah you know you're 14.5 inch standard defense upper you know and you're shooting green tip and you put this EO, you know eotech with the three power you aim here and you can hit him and like you're like yeah roger that but that's 99 of like everybody believes that until you actually like start looking at it like realistically and you're like oh, that's that's not truly how it is and you're right like there were times where we just accepted that like we were just this amazing powerful force that could like you know go out and yeah hey i can see that dude running at 300 meters and i can shoot him and and you're like that's not it's not realistic right we, we look at the zoo city match mm -hmm. we shot we shot out to 560 we had plenty of 300s we had winds that were easily right to left 30 to 40 miles. Yeah. If we're and you're like, are you really telling me that like I can take my my EOTech or or uh you know my LCAN or my um oh my god uh you know some of the other aim like point. optics aim point yeah and like I can like give me a break man like you have to be really proficient at this platform and so I was I was actually kind of laughing about it with Matt is like they preach that you can do this sort of thing but but you really I mean, you have to have practice and, and hours behind a firearm to do this sort of thing. So it's kind of it's kind of funny to see it, you know, and you're like, no, we can't do that. I can't kill a man running it, you know. Oops, sorry, I can't kill a man running it 300 meters down the, you know, down a road with a 556, five, a green tip with a EOTech. Like, it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so I think that's one of the things that come up in with the, in our lethality study that the Marine Corps did. One of the hardest things we do is have is engaging uh, moving targets. It's one of the things that most people are deficient at and that we're trying to correct. Mm -hmm. It's a concerted uh, addition to our new rifle qual. Like there's moving targets at the 100 and 200 yard line, which I think is. a Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's um, part of the new Marine Corps. It is. Oh, that's awesome. So, and you're shooting from a barricade too. So they give you a little bit of prep time, but you see the target come up and it's either going to move left or right and you got to get two shots on it. Well, that's cool, man. That's like, it just shows you how far we've come. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're on point in terms of saying, right, the globalization of information and the, the red, how readily available information is, has definitely driven a lot of those marksmanship advancements. You clearly see the benefits of practical shooting uh, when it comes to applying them to the modern day warfighter. So I'd like to throw a bit of a scenario at you. Say, for example, you have like a day with a bunch of uh, soldiers. What are some lessons that you've learned from practical shooting 
that you would like to teach them in that day, give them the chance? Oh, good question. I, I think the number one thing is, is body position. I, I mean, no matter if you're standing, you're sitting, you're kneeling, pistol or rifle, I think body position is like the number one thing. And it's when I say that, it's body position and trigger control, right? And like, if you can't, you know, I have a 10 year old and, and right now he only shoots PCC and he shoots PCC. We've done some USPSA. We've done some falling steel. We've done some two gun stuff where he shoots only PCC, but everything I work on him is body position and trigger control. And it's amazing to see how far he's done. And, you know, I think you're with any young soldier, you, you teach them, and safety, I think safety is a part of that. But if you teach them how to properly stand or hold a firearm, you, you know, in, like look at the the target, right? That like the basic five fundamentals, and and, in, and engage with that trigger control, especially with pistol. I, I think that's I think that's really that i mean that that's just the fundamentals and then you can get into all you know it's all the other stuff the moving and shooting and the you know you start getting into the jj ricasa movements and the joe farewells also but but really what it comes down to is like being able to like you know even look at the military look at how many how many movies or even how many like true documentaries or, or or videos you see every time a marine or a soldier picks up a rifle what do they do they grab the rifle by the magazine because that is what was taught to them from the person that was taught to them for the, you know, there's a lot of like really bad fundamentals. So like to, to really break down your question, it's like, if I'm going to teach anybody, you think I'm just going to teach them the fundamentals because if we teach the fundamentals in the military improperly. Yeah, I agree. And um, I, th I think something else that sticks out to me, um, body positioning and all that, you never realize how many non-athletes end up joining the military until you start doing stuff like this. Um, you see guys get pushed back by five, five, six rifles. Um, you see people with their feet too close together. And these are things that like, if you've played sports and you've been a point defender, you understand that your center of gravity needs to be low um, and that you need that kind of flexibility to move left and right your lateral line. Oh yeah, for sure. But trying to teach that to a grown, grown man or woman who's never done that before in their life, is actually, it's honestly pretty, uh, pretty challenging. While we're on the subject of getting like service members into shooting, I've always encountered like with very few exceptions, a lot of reluctance to get into competitive shooting. What has your experience been in terms of like getting active duty guys into shooting and how do you overcome that reluctance if you find it? Oh, man, that's an excellent question. I, I this is actually, this is, I talk about all the time. Uh, it, it's a humility. So, you know, in the military, we, we have this, like, you know, the guy that's like the most badass, like physically fit. Sorry, hold on real quick. I just got to play that. Um, we have, we have these guys that are like, you know, the most badass, you know, physically fit um, uh, dudes or, you know, they're, they're the most talented or whatever. But especially in the shooting world, you, the shooting outside of like the quote unquote tactical shooting, 
the military shooting is it's never it's never emphasized right and so what i think the issue is is humility and i see it all the time and and i see guys that are you know um dudes that have been even before me you know like in an smu that have been there for shit 10 even 10 years before me hey man you know come out and shoot this thing they're like no no bro i'd rather you know just i just want to put on my body armor and i just want to like shoot some steel at 50 yards and you're like all right like but does that make you more accurate does it make you a better marksman and they're like well that's just what i do and you're like okay you know and they, they're kind of set in their ways and I, I even see it with some of the you know a lot of a lot of these units hold internal competitions well i i could literally break down i can't get into it too much but i can break down over the last 10 years every single person that has won this competition this this high competition for this this unit over the last 10 years is all competitive shooters there's not one non-competitive shooter that's won this and you know when it comes to the the getting new guys in it's a humility thing and like they all think that like you know they did um and i'm just gonna name a bunch of stuff right so they did they did RASP, they did uh, SFAS, they did uh, the, the PJU, they did, you know, what whatever program they did where they told them, you're the most badass. And no, you shot this out, you know, this algorithm, this thing, and you're d- the best. And they're like, oh, yeah, I am. And then you want, you're like, hey, come down to this local competition, you know, whatever. And they're like, no, nah, man, I'm good they just don't want to be embarrassed by civilian or, you know, whatever shooters. And and it's kind of sad because I see it, especially in the Fort Bragg area where it's the highest concentration of conventional and special operations in the military. And like you, you don't get that many actual like true special operations guys coming out. It's because in in all honesty, it's they're embarrassed. They don't want to, they don't want to get embarrassed or humbled by, you know, getting, outshot by a 16 year old kid. I, I agree with you. Um, so I think that phenomenon is very much like big fish in a small pond. Um, and I think having developed myself as a shooter, there's definitely times at which like, like Matt, after I got gold medal at Mick Mick East, um, I was feeling really good about myself. And then I got, I got my, um, I got my shit pushed in at championships. So there's always like you climb the top of a mountain and then you go and find the next mountain to go climb. I think that's an important thing for like personal growth um, as a human being, as a shooter, as a service member um, to not get complacent and constantly go out there and seek the next competitive venue, heat, whatever to push yourself to get better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, we can never like, if, if you get stuck in that like very small niche thing that you're like, okay at, and you never want to get better, like then you're never going to get better as a shooter, but it's like, what's, what's the point? You know, if you're, if you're only for 30 years, you're only going to shoot production in USPSA. What's the point? You know, why, why not try something different, but like, that's your thing. And like, you're afraid to go outside of that bubble. So, all right. um, We've kind of hit on this question before uh, already a bit, but I want to, I still want to kind of pick your brain some. So you came up in USASOC and you've attended advanced shooting packages. 
what is the difference between the in-house packages that are taught? Um, not stuff that you've done with the unit specifically, but actual in-house packages. And then whenever you've had competitors come in and train you guys, what benefit has there been to receive training from guys who haven't even seen or experienced combat? So, uh, you know, the, I would say a lot of the in-house stuff uh, lately has been very competitive based, you know, very uh, like accuracy based, very, you know, it even works on like your draw times, your, your first round times, everything's off a timer, which is, which is pretty incredible in the military realm. What's been awesome is, you know, my time, you know, I've got to work in the youth soccer realm. I've, I've worked with JJ. I've worked with Rob Latham, Benny. Uh, I've worked with um, Keith Garcia. I've worked with um, uh, AMU Greg guys. Jordan. Greg Jordan. Oh man, don't I love me AMU guys. <laughs> but but you're 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 working with you're working with people that are the best at what they do. And what's cool is nobody's ever going to come in and talk to you about tactics right? Nobody can ever understand the tactics unless you were in it, right? Like, unless you were in it for the, you know, how, however many years, I mean, 20 years of the GWA, unless you were in in it, you can't talk talk tactics, but what you can talk about is you can't talk about the marksmanship and the movement and accuracy. And that's what's, that's just been pretty incredible about bringing the outside help. And I think, I think across the military, it, that's a very valuable thing is um, when you bring out somebody outside of the military, they, they have a different perspective. They're not trying to talk to you about, you know, carrying, you know, a 35 pound plate carrier between your ammo, your frags, your med kit, whatever you're carrying on your back. You're, you know, if you're carrying a 240, if you're carrying a, you know, a saw, they just want to make you a better shooter. And, and it all, collates right um and, and like it's a it's a niche because you, you have to take it with a grain of salt right you have to say okay i bring it in a certain person and they're sh- they're teaching me this certain thing how can i apply it to what i would go do in combat in combat you know relates to like night vision and body armor and this different optics and lasers and all this other stuff and so it's like how can i collate that but all those guys, man, like I would much rather hire a Joe Farewell to come in and teach a rifle course to any, any army unit out there than, uh, you know, a dude that was in, you know, a special missions unit who never was a competitive shooter, but they were just a special mission any day of the week because they're going to offer significantly more advice and better marksmanship than than the dude that was like just a tactical shooter well they have a different perspective and they have a language of and and they have the the fluidity of explaining the craft that they're teaching and you know I'll, i'll kind of bring up an example of what myself and alex go king and uh john glomba did last year i want to say it was last august we went down to recon and James Archbell, he, he helped set it up, but we went down the recon. And at first, like, you know, going out there, um, they thought we were just some range coaches at the Marine Corps train. And we were, we were, we were just like guys from a range detail 
and, and they didn't know what they were getting really. And so I got up in front of them. I was like, Hey, this is who I am. This is what we do. Um, you know, we're here to learn from you as much as you are here to learn from us. We're not going to go into any kind of specific tactics. We're just here to give you a different perspective on things. So they didn't really have any understanding of what we're doing. And they never brought competitive shooters down there to really teach or train them. They're used to going to those tactical training courses per se. And so we, we went down there, um, we pulled out the timers and we said, okay, here's a first drill. This is a first milestone. This is a standard. And we're going to demonstrate it first. We're going to show you that you're able to do it within the standard. And then you're going to go live. And so we demonstrated everything, got everything within the standard, and then put them on the spot. And by the end of the day, they were like, holy shit, these guys can shoot. And then by day three, you know, we, we brought into, we brought into stages, you know, different drills and we demonstrated all the drills and they never, you know, once you show people what a timer is, they're like, holy shit, that's, that's a great piece of gear because now we have some uh, measurable data we can use. And then as, as well as like the accuracy, can I do this in this amount of time with this accuracy, accuracy standard, and like, it just, it, it kind of blew their mind away. And they were like, we want to keep doing stuff like this. And so it's like a matter of keeping in touch. We went back down there a month later. Um, we sent a group of guys down there after Memorial and, you know, and it's just a matter of like continuing to try and get these mobile training teams set up. That way we can keep building upon the skills that they've already learned. And it, it was really cool to see that, that progression. Well, and that's, and, and that's what it should be, right? Like we should never be settling in the military to be like, oh, we're just the military. We do our own thing. Like it's, it's not the, the, the only thing out there and in and, and the shooting, that's all we've done for years and years. Yep. And another thing that uh, Go King started doing is he would go down to these mobile training teams and he would, he would kind of show them, Hey, these are the skills to practice. He would run them through a couple of drills. He's like, all right, you guys break out. These are your targets. Go live and, you know, work yourself. We'll be around to kind of touch on any things that we notice. And then it, but this is your time to train yourself. Nobody's going to be hovering over you. Uh, nobody's going to be yelling at you. This is your time just to better improve yourself. And it's something that they've never experienced before. And it was just, it, it was, we call it discovery learning. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. That's yeah. We never really do that in the military. We never, we don't do a whole lot of discovery learning. There's always a point, right? There's a, there's a definite point on the tape that we want to drive to. We want to make the most of this, uh, the training opportunity. And I think um, Chris, that goes back to what you were saying about, just either shooting for quantity, right? Or shooting for like a, a whole lot of accuracy shooting. Um, like to change it up a bit in terms of subject. Uh, we talked uh, before we uh, started the interview about like tactile games. Uh, I know you do the Griffin Group Rumbles as well, and you've done pretty well in those events. How do you balance the fitness shooting and mental preparation for those types of events in particular? Oh, man. Good question. Um, you know, so uh, I, I've done tactical games. Uh, shout out to, uh, to to Jared and those guys. I, I, I love the tactical games, right? I, I love what they're doing. Um, it's not for me anymore. 
uh, it's, it's very fitness based where it's more fitness and shooting, which is fine. Right. Like, uh, but you know, um, so, so John Sherber, we call him sure. Uh, John was at the, at, uh, the tactical range complex here in, in North Carolina. And he recently moved to Griffin group. Well, he has run the battle rattle. When you move the Griffin group, you want to keep the battle. Also in the rumble. And, and really what it is, is it's, it's what, the three of us have done for years, right? Where you put on heavy body armor, you're moving. Dude, I don't care what it is, right? You're moving a 220 pound man. You're moving a Skedco off of a Hilo for a support by fire position or Gustav rounds, or you're a, you're a 240 gunner who ha- who doesn't have an AG. So you're, you're like, it, it's about moving heavy stuff in awkward positions, climb, you know, climbing, whatever, and, and shooting. But what I love that Sherb has done is Sherb has challenged the community with accuracy. Excuse me. And so the rumble, what really turned me on to the rumble was, you know, it, it's the same, it's a tactical games uh, environment, right? Where you're, you're wearing a kit, and, and he's kind of, he has a different, a couple different categories. Uh, the new heavies, 20 pound kit, the next, I think the tactical is a helmet, 15 pound kit, like some other stuff, but there's light, but you're, you're not only carrying that, but like each division has like heavier stuff, but it's single person shooter. Right. So it's six minute timeout, which six minutes of like a, a heavy tactical moving thing is pretty, pretty, you know, pretty intense, but he, he actually puts accuracy with it where you're not shooting like a, a piece of paper, you know, 25 yards. Like we go out to every time I've shot out there, we go out to 560 yards. He, he's challenging you. You better know your, your firearm. You better know your velocity, your, your round. What's your ballistic coefficients, you know, your, your BC, like, what what's your all that stuff right everything associated with like shooting and you better be able to like pick heavy stuff up and move and it's that has been the most like fun rewarding thing to me to shoot lately is is the 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 rumbles because it's very competition based uh where you know you're still shooting very fast paper uh knockdown still or you're transitioning a rifle and you're shooting a long range rifle and you're shooting some paper and all that stuff. It, it's, it's very competition. Like it was, it's anything that you would see in any multi-gun match. Right. But then on top of it, you know, he's putting like a very challenging, op- whatever obstacle it is, whatever heavy thing or multiple heavy things. And, and that's, what's been, you know, fun. And, and I, I've had the absolute like privilege and honor. I've won the last three, I've won three in a row. Um, and not just like three in my division. I've won the three overalls. I don't think this next time that will happen because the way he's changed the categories heavy, I don't think heavy division is ever going to win overall ever again, but it's <laughs> been really, it, it's been really cool to shoot that. And and I like going from the three gun multi-gun world to just being able to like put on body armor and like shoot. And I, and I know that was a long, and, and to finish answering your question, how I train for that is like, you know, I train very functional fitness 
but I also like to train with the functional fitness. I got to move heavy stuff. I got to be able to pick up a hundred, 150 pound sandbag. And I got to move that hundred, 150 pound sandbag, hundred to 200 meters. And then at the end of it, I got to keep my heart rate down enough that I can still engage targets without pinging, right. Without going into black. And that, and that's, that's hard for some. And I, and I saw this last time where the divisions changed and there were dudes that literally couldn't pick up a 140 pound sandbag. And, and it's not trying to put down anybody. Cause I love everybody that comes out, but you know, there's, there's like a, to me in this tactical world, the true tactical world, like the, tr- the true tactical world, not like wearing like really like tight shorts where you put like a five, five, six mag in your pocket. Like mm-hmm. you have to actually wear like body armor, you know, I mean, you guys have shot TTG. Yeah. Um, like you have to be able to pick up and carry like heavy stuff. And there were dudes that literally couldn't pick up 140 pounds. And I'm like, man, that's, that's like a typical, female that we have on the special operations teams now, right? CCTs and all those others. So if you can't pick up a 140 pound sandbag, uh, it's kind of, I'm like, Oh man. So like training wise, a lot of it is just like, you know, it's, it's a lot of the daily like training, but then it's a lot of like just times of like, you know, I'll do like 24 minute EMOMs where it's like one minute is, just hold a 150 pound sandbag and it's run 400 meters and it's, you know, an assault bike and then it's picking up something heavy and it's just over and over and over again, because that's kind of what the, the community is. That's kind of what the, the, that shooting community is, you know? Yeah. What I appreciate about those events is um, you always see people come out and you see them get gut checked. So that sandbag specifically, what you're talking about, um, I remember my first tactical games was in 2019 and that was back when Tim Burke was still running it. And mm-hmm. he well, so for the intermediate division, it was supposed to be a 75 pound sandbag, but, uh, somebody didn't make the swap and, uh, your boy here, uh, was the first squad to go and he had to pick up 150 pound sandbag. Um, I did it. I didn't do it gracefully. I didn't look good doing it, but I got through it. Um, uh, but it was a real, it was a real wake up call in terms of like, mechanics and knowing how to like lift heavy weight, how to stabilize and how to move efficiently under it. And um, having shot tactile games for so long and having, I, I, I spectated a Griffin group um, rumble back in, um, it was December timeframe. Um, I thought the shooting was a lot more dynamic. You got a mixture of close paper, falling steel, you got farther steel targets, you're shooting off a car and all these other things. And part of it is that Griffin group is just a really awesome range and they can get away with a lot of that. But I really appreciate Sherb's uh, willingness to be uh, that much more creative with his uh, stage setups. I definitely want to go back and shoot it sometime. Oh man. I, I hope you do. And like, and, and I love, I love the tactical games, right? Like I, I will support Jared. I've took fifth and elite in 2019. I've only shot one, right? I shot, I took fifth and elite and I, I took fifth against, uh, Two, literally three of the guys had won first place before. And then me, Matt, Caleb, between third and fifth. Like, it was not a, you know, like, I, I have an appreciation for the tactical games. But, like, 
it's hard for me to, it's, it's not fun for me. I don't like stopping at 25 meters and shooting a piece of paper 10 times, you know? And so I'm glad you said that because it, it, the Sherbs is so much more dynamic. It's, it, it actually like, it makes you be um, accurate, but then like you have to be fast and accurate and know your right, your firearm and like all this stuff. And, and, and what I like is I, I, I hate, and you guys are in the military, right? So nobody should ever tell you how many rounds you should have, man. If you can't hit something with 30 rounds, like, eh, okay. But when you're telling like each competitor, like you can only have five rounds here, five rounds here, five rounds here. And if you have a malfunction, it's like, to me, that's, it's not realistic and it's not breaking it into the actual like tactical shooting community. And so what's cool with, with Sherb and how he runs it is like, it's like, Hey man, you carry whatever you want to carry you have to hit all these targets. And so if that means you're going to carry 90 rounds, you're going to carry one 30 round magazine and you're, that's it. Right. And, and that's, what's pretty cool about that. You know, um, I, I do have to say, I don't think you give yourself enough credit saying that you probably will never win heavy division again. Um, like I remember whenever we're done at the battle for the South and whenever me, Sherb, Jason, we we're all just, and buddy, we were all just sat back there next to buddy's camper you know drinking some bourbon and whatnot um they were describing an event that sherp designed and like everybody else was complaining oh this is impossible you can't do this in the in this time limit blah 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 blah. and sherp's like you know what chris did chris just went at it picked it up and he broke the time he's like he proved that you know the the time doesn't matter like who cares about the time i'm gonna beat that time so I think that really says a testament about yourself and your mental uh, toughness and, and what you're capable of doing and, you know, what people are capable of doing if they have the right mindset going into something. And I think that's key to it. Like, yes, you have to physically train yourself to prepare for these tough matches, but you also have to train your mind to, to be able to get through the hardship and through the suffering, because at the end of the day, you know, we talk about real tactical you know, shooting and real tactical experiences. That's exactly what combat is. It's getting in a situation that you don't, you, you don't have a solution right now, but you're figuring it out as you go. And in order to survive, you have to be the better decision maker. Dude, oh, in anything we do, the mental agility is like the number one. Right. And like, you know, you look at these young bucks that come into the the, the shooting world super early, and, and I mean, dude, the Nate Stackowitz and all those guys. I I freaking love those guys, man. Mm -hmm. I love them. And and one thing, and and luckily, like Nate and all those guys are super like resilient. But like one thing that's like helped me is like thirty eight, and only really been doing this since late two thousand sixteen. Is like. Uh, it's, it, it is all about mental agility, man. It's like, and, and like, dude, they're dudes are way better than me, but it's all about like, okay, that wasn't my best match. What did I mess up on? And, and I, I really, Joe Farewell said this best, man. We shot the uh, 2020, I think it was 2020 match at area six championship, right? We shot nationals together and we shot the area six. <laughs> 
And dude, I had a really bad stage. And Joe look, and Joe and I have been friends for years. And Joe looked at me and he goes, Hey man, you got five minutes. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you got five minutes to be pissed off, mad, upset, whatever. He goes, at the end of those five minutes, you better be done. You better move on. You better learn from those mistakes and, and like come into the next stage. And I was like, wow, dude, that was like, that, like that's super challenging. Right. Because like in, in our community, in the, in the military, community, we want to be the best, the best, the best, right. You got to be the best, but like the, the room for mistakes, sometimes mistakes can, can cost you UCMJ. They can cost you your job, you know, depending in the shooting community, it's like, you got to learn from those. And so, you know, Joe was like, Hey man, you got five minutes to be pissed off and then move on. And I was like, all right, man, like five, five minutes it is. And, and it, I've always kind of like kept that. And you know what you were saying with like what buddy and all those guys were talking about, like, dude, a, a lot of that is the mental resiliency is like, it's just get through it, man. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like it get through it and suck it up. And like, and that's, what's really cool about the way that sure builds. And I'll say this sure. The rumble, the proving grounds, all these other things. What's cool about this new adventure of the shooting world is it's challenging people that have never been challenged before that you gotta like have some sort of resiliency and, and, and some people do and some people don't. But I think that's a, a cool thing is seeing these people come out that were just civilians that may be like day traders or they're nurses or whatever. And like they're challenged to like, and then you got, you got to carry this thing for 15 minutes back and forth. It's 150 pounds. Like, you know, and it's just like challenging. We're like in our community, we got to do it because that that's how we stay in this soft community or that's how we stay you know, at the top level. And so that's, what's kind of cool um, with all these new tactical games, rumble, proving grounds, whatever else is out there is it's just challenging like normal humans to kind of dig deep and find that like mental capacity to like suck it up and like, you know, move for the 15 minutes or whatever and finish. So. So talking about like mental, mental resilience, training, everything that you do to prepare for this stuff, what are your, your personal goals for the, this upcoming season? Ah, man, you know, Matt, what sucks is like still being active duty. Is it all depending on like what the year brings? Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's like, it's like, what does a year bring? It, It is like how I, focus on like what my goals are, you know, and and this year I was like, this year is like super chill. I can get a lot of practice in. I I know I can do very well. And I've had some very good finishes this year between the battle for the South and some rumbles and and some other stuff. And other years I I haven't just because, so I I think part of it active duty wise is uh, just where you're at in your job. When I'm done, when I'm done active duty, it's going to be a completely different game. Mm-hmm. So, um, what what are some matches that you have coming up, and what out of those matches, which ones are you most excited for? Uh, so the Tar Heel Challenge is coming up. I got to look again job wise if I'm going to shoot it. 
um, the pro-am, uh, the, the, the new, uh, Donnie's match with the pro-am is, is super, just a, such a cool match. And what, what I love about it is, so I shot the pro-am back when it was over at a uh, rock castle back in Tennessee or whatever. And like, it was two different matches. It was the pros shot a match and the am shot a match. Well, what's cool. Donnie's done is Donnie has done a true, it's a, it's a pro to an am. So like when you sign up and you, you, you should pretty much know kind of where you're at. The pro signs up and then you get to sign an am. And what's cool is it's kind of two different matches, but they're shooting the same match. And so the pros get to shoot their match. And then the ams shoot where the pros can help them. So we can coach, we can carry stuff for them. We can, I can call out shots. I can do everything out there. And, and to me in the shooting community, especially coming in so late in the shooting community, we're like, I didn't have a lot of help. I'm the guy that's learned every mistake humanly possible. I told Joel Farewell the other day, I was like, dude, I should do like a YouTube channel of a dude that's learned every mistake in the shooting community. Like everything. I, I, the first time I installed a, a muzzle brake, I installed it upside down. I'll just be completely honest with you. I installed a <laughs> muzzle brake upside down. Like, like I didn't know anything, right? And so like what's cool about the Pro-Am is it lets you – take an amateur shooter and it lets you just, just pour your knowledge out onto them. Um, which is just absolutely just incredible. Uh, you know, we have a rumble coming up in June and then this year, there's so many things on the East coast. I really actually didn't look at anything, um, farther past. I've shot the high desert and the surefire before, uh, this year, really, I, I just have we kind of shot a bunch. The Duskin is really the number one thing I'm looking forward to uh, shooting the Duskin and then Pro-Am and then the, the Rumble in June is kind of all I'm signed up for. So you kind of mentioned the Duskin match. So what is that match? What does it represent? And what does that match mean to you? And, you know, we've seen a large influx over the past few years of veteran slash memorial matches, charity matches. And to me, this is the original match that holds a purpose. And how does this com- this one compare to all the others? Oh, man. Great question. Um, it, it definitely. I mean, for me, it was the original. Right. And, and the, what's what's cool about it is it's held on Fort Bragg. It's not held in New World. It's held on for brag. They have it's it's held by group. It's held by the the special forces group command, and especially SWIC and and third group. And so you know it's it's kind of been a different range master every year and and all the stuff. And they did 2016, 17, 18, and they haven't done one until this year. Um, but what's cool about it more much is it's it just it's focused on like, you know, one just incredible dude, you know, just chief, chief war officer, Mike Duskin and, and just him and in, in the special forces community, because he, he was a competitive shooter and he was just kind of a fitness guy. And it's, it's nothing more than that. Right. But it's, it's owned by the special forces group and it's, it's at, it's actually at range 65. So it's cool 
is you get to actually use a shoot house. You get to actually use things that like, you know, now this is me talking from a, okay. If I was talking from a non-military side, if you're a civilian, you get to go shoot at a special forces compound. You get to shoot like all this, this stuff where there's not as many rules. And so that's, what's unique about the, the whole thing is, you know, they have multiple shoot houses. So you actually get to shoot like true shoot houses. You get to shoot like true, like, like vehicles that you, it doesn't matter if you shoot them or not. They've had fast ropes. They, uh, the last one I shot, they had an MRAP where you like climbed out of the back of an MRAP up onto the second store and you shot through a shoot house. And so, you know, the cool thing about the Duskin is it's, it's kind of like breaking outside of the norm of like the shooting community. And it's, it's really only focused on like the SF community and it's very uh, invite friendly where they're, they're inviting, you know, certain people from the community. Um, but what was special to me is that was kind of my, that was where I got my start. You know, that's, I, I just, some guys were like, Hey, we're going to go shoot this. You can use my shotgun. And, and, and that's, what's cool is it's, Anybody from like third group can go shoot this thing at any time or not any time. Sorry. At, at any, during that whole time. And there's dudes out there. They're like, Hey, use my shotgun, use my pistol. And so uh, it's kind of like getting guys into the community. Um, and that was for me, that was kind of like my first world. Like, oh man. Like this is what a cool community to be a part of. What a cool, cool, like, part of like the shooting world and like you know yeah i was a ranger these guys are a bunch of sf guys we're all under sock together but like we all have like this cool camaraderie and and it was just it was just special and and the fact that it's coming back now and and that jk is running it like i mean jk is just dude he's gonna destroy it like he's gonna kick it out of the park man and and it's going to be such a cool event and, and there's going to be things that you can't do at any other match. So that's, that's what's special about the Duskin. Plus it has the best t-shirts you can get. So. I, I love the one where you have to do punching, <laughs> punching the unicorn, <laughs> punching the unicorn, man, punching the unicorn. It's the, they're, they're the best shirts. <laughs> How many people do you think at Duskin, uh, the Duskin match is actually brought into the three gun community? And just in the world I live around, I mean, over time, probably 50 plus people into the community, like easy. Like I can name like at least 50 dudes that like their first match or their, their kind of first thing was the Duskin. So it's kind of sad that it hasn't gone on for the last two years, but the fact that it's coming back is pretty awesome. No, I, you know what? Um, that's that's one match I am extremely excited about. I'm really looking forward to being down there with you guys. And like to me, it's like, you know, I don't I don't care about performance right now. Uh, I, I care about what can I offer the guys on my squad? You know, if they've never done this before. One thing I really get satisfaction out of it's being down there with a group of people like-minded people and i can just sit back and be like hey i would try this or i'll try this hey you did this really well and it's just helping people who have never done it before you know i was i was at a match this week and a two-gun match that the the shooting team put on um 
and I didn't shoot it. I was just out there and I was working with some of the summer shooters and it was like, Hey, this is how I would attack this position. This is how I'd engage these targets. This is what I would do. And last thing, shoot within your means. And mm-hmm. like, and like the, one of the guys specifically I'm talking about it, you know, his first stage, he shot outside of his means. He got like three, uh, three mics on that stage. And it was just like, Oh, he's like, yep. Shoot within my means. <laughs> and then after that, it's like, he was on fire and he just killed it. And, and you know, that's what I'm looking forward to whenever I go down there and uh, am a part of this. And, you know, it's kind of an honor being able to get invited and go down there. So, you know, I really appreciate what J- that invite JK uh, put forward for me. Yeah, and that's the cool thing, man, is, is it's, it's kind of like it's not everybody can shoot it, right? Like you, you kind of have to earn it in the sense of the community and like, you know, and so that's what's cool about it. And and you said it right. So I've, I've never ROed a major match ever. Never ROed a major match. I, I've told people I would, and they they had other ROs. But I told JK, I was like, dude, I want to RO this match. And so I'm actually going to RO the Duskin. And, like, I'm so looking forward to it. Dude, I'm going to pour – because there's no real rules, right? Like, there's not, like, the, like, you can't coach. I'm going to coach the hell out of some of these guys. <laughs> like, like, hey, man, like, uh, like one target to the left. Like, you know, like I'm going to like absolutely – because it's just so much fun. And, like, you don't get to ever shoot like that. And Mm-mm. and it's just a different community, you know, because you're getting like what Frank asked earlier is you're getting dudes that never shot competition shooting before. And so now this is their first experience. So, like – we better make it a good one, you know? <laughs> yep. No, it's going to be a good time. And honestly, you know, I got to say thank you. You know, let me crash at your place and hang out with you. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's going to be a, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. It's, it, it's you, me and farewell, bro. Farewell staying here too. <laughs> oh, <dude>. hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring the bird. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, you know, I mentioned the beginning of this, your sponsors, but, you know, I want you to kind of talk because, you know, I I see on the forums and three gun talk and even three gun memes, you know, Oh, how do I get a sponsor? I want to be a sponsored shooter. And you see a lot of new shooters who go through this phase, like, Oh, I want to get a shirt. I want, I want to, I want to represent these companies. What kind of words of advice would you give them? Um, how did you get your sponsors and what would you recommend to them? Oh man. Um, I'm probably going to blow some minds. Uh, so first of all, there's, in my opinion, there's no such thing as a sponsorship anymore, unless you're a JJ or cousin. Uh, I, I truly, unless you're a JJ and JJ is a friend or a Jessica hook, or even a Joe, like the, the sponsorship is gone. The, to me, sponsorship is you, they're paying you to shoot. And I, I don't include product with that. Like, there's a difference between like you're an ambassador to like, Hey, here's this, like, here's a free gun. Here's a free gun to like, we're going to pay you to shoot. Right. Like nobody is ever going to question a JJ or Kaza to being a freaking sponsor shooter. Right. He is the best pistol shooter in the world Uh, or Shane or, or any of those guys. Um, Even the AMU guys, when they get out, right. Look at Daniel. Mm -hmm. So, I'll be completely honest, man. I, I, I've always, I, I'm honest with the community. So like 
dude, my uncle's Benny Cooley, right? Benny is the, 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 he's the old man legacy three gun guy, right? He's been, he, he has all these contacts. So when I started shooting and, and like started being pretty good, you know, Benny kind of pulled some strings for me and Benny was, you know, he kind of started reaching out to some people and, and uh, you know, like, Hey, you know, you guys really like, look at this, this, this kid or whatever. And so, you know, with between like Christian Snarms and Safari land and some other stuff, like, like, yeah. But like what I, what I took that is like, dude, I'm not, I'm not going to be that guy. That's like, Hey, give me free shit. And like, I'm just going to be that guy that gives me free shit. Like I'm going to work my ass off. I'm like, it's like a second job. Best, it dude, it's, it's a lot of work, man. And like, I'm not, I will 100%. I'm not a sponsor shooter. I am a brand ambassador for some great companies. Christensen arms being the, I mean, you could not ask to be part of a better company. This family is such an incredible family. Like, it has nothing to do with like their product. It has to do with the fact how much they sponsor, not sponsored, but they support the military. They support first responders and the community. And like what that, that was what was cool. And, and what they've, why they've kept me on for so long is like, it's not a sponsorship. It's an ambassadorship. And like, they have truly, truly just been so graceful with me as far as like, being a shooter. And, and at the same time, I've tried to return that, that, that gracefulness, right? Like I've tried to be the best I can. I've tried to, you know, uh, do the best I could in, in any competition and win stuff and be, a, be a part of that. But it seemed with Safari land too, man. And, and then dude, Chad with priority one holsters, like Chad is just the coolest dude you could ever meet. And the fact that he's like, you know, he's local. He's a pretty local guy, um, but like he's just been like, dude, like just shoot my stuff, and that's what's cool. But with sponsorships, I found you know I was the dude that wore the jersey at first. You know, I bought the jersey, I put everything on it. I'm like, dude, that's such a joke. Everybody, I'm, I'm not. I'm just gonna say, everybody you see, unless they're like the dudes I named, like, nobody's actually getting like true like these benefits. They're all brand ambassadors and like they, they could just wear a t-shirt that has you know every day the company's logo do, they can wear the company's logo you don't have to buy a, a jersey that has a hundred different logos on it like you know like the jerry micklicks and even the keith garcia's who like keith's a great friend of mine but yeah i mean you know those dudes it's just like it's not a thing anymore well, you know, I think a perfect example is a couple of years ago, I think a year or two ago, James Gill, you know, we all know who he's sponsored by, but it's like he went out to a match, you know, uh, wearing an American flag, um, what's it called, sleeveless shirt, you know, and, you know, just a Budweiser shirt, something along those lines, you know, just wearing whatever he wanted to wear, being comfortable. And to him, it's about how he represents the product, not how much real estate he takes up on a shirt. And, and that's what it kind of came down to for him. Yeah. I mean, if you can go take, okay. So it's Christian Sarms, for example, right. If I can go to the battle for the South and I can win stage five for tack optics, I can be the, I can have the, the, you know, I, I won that stage. 
which is the SWAT band stage with the Christensen Arms rifle, you know, boom, 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 you know, shoot. I can show that back to the the brand and I can say, dude, like it's all their rifle, right? Their barrel, mm-hmm. their rifle, their their muscle brake, it's all that rifle. And you say, look, like your rifle performed, that does more for it than like putting 10 different you know logos on your shirt mm-hmm. everybody everybody has it i mean shit man there's organizations out there now where you can apply to be an ambassador and get their logo and their shirt and it's like i mean dude the first time i saw that i was at a match a local match some new local match which i've never shot again and some dude like ad like right in the ground right by me wearing this jersey and i was like come on man like you're just giving people this false hope um but there's a difference between sponsorship and ambassadorship and like i'll just say i've I've been very blessed to be a part of excuse me some companies that really have have absolutely supported me and and like are, are always there for me and and you know, I don't, I don't ever have to like pursue They're They're always, they love that I shoot for them. And, and especially Christensen arms, they're so good to the military community, man. Like the Christensen family is just, dude, they're just blessing on, uh, on top of blessing for the, the military community. And so to me, it's, it's not even like, I just feel honored that I can shoot for a company that represents that sort of like, legacy you know mm-hmm. no i think you called it oh sorry sorry Matt. no you go go um i think you call it a brand ambassador is operative um it makes more sense companies are looking for someone to represent their brand at matches that isn't necessarily going to shed um isn't, isn't going to portray them in a bad light so would you agree that really a lot of what they're looking for is character rather than like shooting ability. And that really like it's the personalities that go out there deliberately trying to find sponsorships that kind of turn these companies off. Well, 100%. Like there are some amazing shooters out there, but there's some amazing shooters out there that are guys that I don't want to be around and the community doesn't want to be around. And like companies don't want that. And, and some do, we all know that, but like what they want is they want people that are just great ambassadors. They're just, they're loved by the community. They, they, they want to pour back into the community. They want to, you know, talk about that company. And, and, and that's where I've seen so many. So, I mean, if you look at sometimes like these major events, some of the biggest I guess three in the three gun community, the biggest three gun shooters, like sometimes the people that are like the biggest sponsored are not the guys that are taking first, second or the gals that are taking first, second, third place. They're, they're farther back, but they're just really good ambassadors for their product. And, and like companies, I think would much rather have that than like the person that is the best shooter, but just terrible ambassadors for them. And I actually have a follow-up to that, but it's actually for Matt. (laughs) Being in charge of the shooting team for so long, 
have you seen a lot of Marines that desperately wanted to get on the shooting team or weren't necessarily good character fits? And would you say this correlation between shooters trying to get sponsorships and Marines trying to get on the team? So I would absolutely say that is a hundred percent true. <laughs> um, you know, and, and so whenever, you know, whenever you go through the Marine Corps marksmanship competitions, you know, you know, when I was in charge of the team, I would kind of watch people and, and see, you know, who has good character, who has good shooting ability. Um, and then they come up to championships and I would kind of be, you know, up in a tower. I, I'd be far away enough to kind of see what's going on, but you know, still close enough to stop any shenanigans from happening per se. And if they didn't have good character, I didn't want them. I didn't care what their abilities were. You know, they could be the number one guy, but if they couldn't represent their unit and if I couldn't trust them to travel the United States and represent not just the team, but the entirety of the Marine Corps, I don't want them because I don't want people I can't trust, uh, you know, on the shooting team. I need people of good character and that have the ability to act like adults in public. And I've turned people away. You know, I've turned lots of people away. And, and, you know, I've, you know, I had a guy, he was a great shooter. He was on the summer season. And for two years after that, he kept trying to come back to the team. And it was like, dude, no, leave me alone. I, you know, what's done is done. Like, I can't bring you back. Like, I don't have the confidence that you can conduct yourself as an adult. So I, I think it is all about the character that you possess as a person and not just your ability to shoot. Yeah, I felt like you probably had some uh, interesting experiences there. Because the, the Marine Corps, is a, the Marine Corps is a brand. Yes. And being on yep. the team is a highly desirable like posting for a lot of people. And I saw that myself. Um, so what I always tell my Marines is like, just like be good to other people, shoot your best match, keep a cool head, help reset and all that. But don't be someone you're not because they're going to see that sooner or later, whether it's at division, at championships, or when they spend a full three months with you during the summer season, your real personality is going to come to top. Oh, I, I actually have a, an example. You know, I had this one guy, he actually, we boarded him to bring him onto the summer team. And, and that was for the bullseye pistol team. And then we get into the action stages, um, part of the championships. And I'm just sat back kind of watching. I'm sitting down on some stairs watching and I see him get into an argument with one of my Marines who is an RO and then I see him get into another argument another day with another RO. And I'm just kind of sat back watching. And so I called my OIC over. I was like, hey, this guy right here, he's not coming. He's like, what do you do? And I, I explained it to him. He's like, yep, I trust your judgment. We're not bringing him. And like, this is a guy who had a spot for the summer. And he just lost it based off of how he acted. So it, it's all about how you carry yourself and, and how you represent yourself. Dude, that's, that's like wholeheartedly in the community, right? Like, dude, there are dudes in like uh, in, in organizations that people don't want to be around, man. Like, I mean, there are organizations that ROs don't want to RO and like people don't want to be around and like, 
And they're like, whoa, my mind's blown. Like, why is this? It's like, bro, like you're, you're, you literally treat people like crap, man. Mm -hmm. And like, and I'm going to throw it out there, you know, I mean, Jason and Chris and and Buddy and those guys, they're great friends. But I want to look at it objectively. Objectively, those three guys treat their ROs and their staff better than anybody else in the community. Absolutely. you, You will never see anybody else in the community treat dudes better than those three. And like, or and sure, and I got to throw a shirt neck from Griffin Group, but like, you'll never see that man. And like, dudes want to come back because they want to work for them. Mm-hmm. And and it's and it's the same. Like you guys are talking about the shooting community. And it's like, dude, you know, it, in these days between USPSA and you know, I could nationals and all that stuff. Like, bro, if you're not treating people with the uh, like respect, or you're not treating them like they they are actually like adults and. And they, I mean, you're asking somebody to one, give up the fact that like, maybe they could place high. Um, and now they got to shoot a different match to get a different prize table to, and sometimes not even a different prize table, like, and, and, and maybe all this other stuff, you're asking them to do that. And then you're not willing to like treat them with respect is my blowing me, man. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the zoo city guys have done it right. And it's the same with like you talking about like the, sh- the shooting community, like ambassadors, man, like, dude, if you can't get over yourself, <sighs> all right, here's what I'm, I'm not even going to, there's no names, but um, there are some people that live out West that post, they, they post videos all the time. And these dude, they're not, they're awful. Like these, they're not like that good of shooters, but they have all these sponsorships and it's it is actually kind of the way the the tactical games got a little bit where all these companies are given sponsorships because that's where the money's at. These people are like awful, and and they're not good ambassadors for like the program or for the the, the company, but they're just throwing the stuff out. And I'm like, all right, man, like at some point that's going to come to a head where you're not getting any. I don't know. It's not coming back to the, there's no, the, there's no return on investment for that company. There's no return on investment, right? Like you're just, you, you're like, Oh, you, you want, you're, you're a sh- good shooter for the tactical games. Well, like, oh, let me give you a pistol. But in the grand scheme of things, they're not, they're not actually a good shooter. So they're not like doing anything that's demonstrating like any good, like firearm techniques and stuff. And so they're just giving us free stuff. And like, Eventually it's going to come back. We're like, Oh shit, man. You know, it's the same with, it's the same with these big major matches. And, the, and if you're not having a return on investment for your ROs, if your ROs and your shooters are not happy, your match is not going to be happy. And you're next not, year, it's going to fail. If you cannot, it's going to fail, man. I mean, I mean, Jason, I would, you're right. Juice city, Jason, buddy, they had a perfect model this year. Um, and, Let's be real. Jason had more people wanting to come RO, uh, RO his match, not just because they wanted to come RO or anything like that, but because they believe in what he is doing. They believe in his character and how he conducts himself and how he treats every RO fairly. And he knows what type of RO he's going to get in return. 
100%, man. You, if you treat those people with that respect of like, and here's what I've seen. I see a lot of matches treat their ROs like they're second-class shooters. Bro, there's some ROs that are amazing shooters, man. Dude, with in our community, like the the Brian or the 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 Westbrooks and the Brian, you know, Demis, like those guys are great shooters. Mm-hmm. But they always volunteered, or Chris Wiseman, man. Yeah, that they are uh, they always volunteered RO because they understand the community. But if you're not going to treat them with any sort of respect, if you're not going to give them like, hey, man, you're giving up your opportunity to place decently high just so you can ro and not give them that sort of respect like what the crap man and that is Mm -hmm. hands down across the community now like we treat ro's with the absolute like most disrespect everywhere you know and and that was so cool about zoo city is just watching like how they treated their people man And, and like they 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 made it like they're like RROs are an extension of ourselves and we are going to support them no matter what they say. And if you have an issue with it, you're going to do with us. And we want, you know, and like their food and their, all that stuff was like paid for. And it was just cool, man. Well, you know, I got to say, Chris, like last year you and I shot a match and, um, and you know, the way you and I handled a situation is how I think, everybody should like and i'll be real like i shot a stage a target didn't go down and the ro told me he's like hey you have to shoot it until it falls i was like well dude how many times you want me to hit it i'm losing time at this point he's like well just shoot i was like no i've already lost enough time i want to reshoot he's like well we can't give you a reshoot i was like all right man i get what you're saying but this honestly i don't know what your experience is and and we we treated him with the utmost respect and you came in there and you were like hey and you know that's that's me as being an ro knowing how things run you know i want to give them the same type of respect that i would expect from myself you know when people start yelling at their ro and i've been in situations where people are like no that's bullshit i hit that target blah 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 i was like sir i'm i'm telling you right now you didn't hit as an ro you don't like making calls because making those calls like it hurts because you're wanting to see somebody do their best and you know that's that's one thing i love about you know the, the zoo city matches and the, the Donnie flow matches, they, you know, he, he backs up their ROs. He, you know, and people know whenever they're coming to those matches, they're getting the best ROs that are out there. Well, and, and absolutely, man, that's, and that's what makes a true match, right? Like, like, like what you and I talked, like you said, like we, we shot a match this year that was like, Hey, uh, it, it is. It's one of those, like, you're not, you have like really inconsistency, but the biggest thing is just support, like, excuse me, support your, um, your ROs, support the people that are working for you. And they're Give working them the knowledge. The weekend, man. <laughs> Arm them with the knowledge of knowing how to make the right call, have a game plan, talk to them. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think the East coast, these next couple of years, we got some between, I mean, really between Tar Hill, the Battle for the South, uh, Pro Am, and uh, the Benning match. Dude, we, 
we got we got some outstanding matches for the South these oh, last yeah. couple of years, you know. And you know, this it, it's kind of a, a resurgence for the North Carolina crowd. Uh, we haven't seen these many matches, I would say, since 2016, 2017 time frame, like when you were first coming in. Like, yeah, we're we're getting back to that level where North Carolina, South Carolina is starting to become the new hot spot for major three gun matches. Yeah, dude, I, I agree, man. So I'm going to I'm just going to throw because we have Frank on here and he's a USPSA guy and we talked about carry optics. I got to throw it out to you guys. Carry optics division and three gun. Should it take over practical or should be its own three gun division? I would say own three gun division. That's I, I, I don't I haven't shot three gun in so long, but um yeah, anything that avoids people having to like sunset equipment and buy other equipment is probably the best. Yeah, for sure, man. And and, and I think what's what's cool is like you see, especially on the West Coast and, and like Tim Rampert and those guys, is like those, those guys are awesome. I love the West Coast guys. But they're, they're doing a big push right now for like carry optics and they want to actually make carry optics take over tack optics. And I'm like, okay, like you want to, that's, that's fine if you want to have the argument, but I, I truly think like you just make a different division. I think irons should always be a, a thing, right? Just like limited, just like production. Like you should always have a irons because irons are irons. But if you want to, you know, so Zoo City this year, they did tack optics, they did carry optics, and they did open. And we were, I mean, they were very, very close. I mean, tack optics the most, but between open and uh, carry optics, it was, it was split down the middle. So I, I think that's, I think that's kind of the way of the future, instead of like reinventing the wheel, I think we just, and it added a carry optics division. I think having that carry optics division is going to be the new fastest growing division. You know, I, I would say like last year, uh, prior to this carry optics division, open was the fastest growing division. You know, you have the dissident arm shotguns, um, like things, you know, these guns are becoming more accessible. It's not, you know, using, you know, uh, two mags anymore for open shotguns. It's not having to find a, uh, SA 12 or something like that. It's like dissonant arms is a one-stop shop for an open shotgun and everybody's going out and getting one. Uh, but now people are like, Oh, I can shoot tack ops, but with the dot carry optics division and it's a limited pistol essentially. Oh, hell yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> all in, you know, they're not having to spend an arm and a leg. Let's, let's be real. It's poor man's open. That's a, it's a way of calling. Yeah. It. Yeah, it is. Yep. For sure. And, you know, it's I, I think it's it's going to be challenging tack ops to change. You know, I don't want to see it go away. I like shooting, shooting tack ops. But, you know, realistically, I think there is going to be an upward trend. But yeah, I agree. It's going to be interesting to see what it does. But I think our listeners are probably wondering, are these guys ever going to shut up? So I before we sign off. Uh, Chris, is there any last words of wisdom you would like to leave everybody with? 
Oh man. Uh, yeah, quickly. I, I got to say it, man. I'm the big proponent. I'm the guy that's learned every mistake. Like if you're going to be in the competition shooting world, you got to find somebody that is better than you and you got to ask questions. Um, you know, like I said, I'm the guy that installed a muscle break upside down. I had no idea. I literally had no idea. No idea. You know, you got to be the guy that asks the question of like, should I get a, do I need to get a muzzle velocity? Should I know my ballistic coefficient? Should I, you know, do I need to actually like program and street lock my distances? Do I need, you know, like, all I'm going to say is if, if you're in the shooting world outside of the military uh, or in, even in the military, like, don't be afraid to ask questions and challenge yourself to like be better. You know, I, Man, I have some people on speed dial that I hit up all the time that are some world-class athletes, some world-class shooters that, uh, you know, like the Joe Farewells and stuff that I, I literally ask the dumbest questions to, but they are willing to give me advice. So just be willing to be humble and pursue and like ask and like, you know, you should always surround yourself with people, especially in the shooting community that are willing to make you better and, and that are totally fine with giving you advice. And if you can't find those people, find somebody else. But that is, that is it, man. Like, dude, the shooting community can be like as finicky or as like friendly as you want it. And so like find those people that will help you be better. So like, you know, like Matt, you know, like these Marines that are just the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most people tell me I look like an asshole and I'm always angry, but you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, you know, you, I, I'll, I'll add this to what you have to say. You know, you, you, you say, just go up to people and ask questions. You know, there's a time and place to ask questions. If the guy's about to go up uh, and shoot his stage, you know, it's probably not the right time. He's probably in the zone and everything, and he's not being disrespectful to you. He's just trying to focus on his plan. But, you know, everybody I've met in the three gun community is one of the nicest individuals that is just wanting to give you the shirt off your back to make sure you're ready. They'll give you the gun out of their hands to make sure you're set up for success. And that's the community I know. And that's a community I grew up in. So don't be afraid to ask, you know, because you're just doing yourself an injustice. Yep. Just ask, man. And sometimes you're going to reach, you're going to meet that asshole. And sometimes you're going to meet that dude. That's like going to, the 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 jason bennett's that are literally going to give you the guns to mm -hmm. shoot you know like yeah it's it's pretty incredible man but hey chris i appreciate you coming on here everybody i hope you really enjoyed this episode um let us know what you think leave us a five-star review if we if you think we deemed that uh that level of rating but i appreciate y'all listening i hope you learned something and until next time have a good one